What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the filthy casual podcast for us filthy casual fans regarding our filthy takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 105 of this freezing cold podcast that is always in the virtual Very Cold Fridge housing that ice cold and spicy lasagna. And it's a new month. It is July. Happy July, everyone. And I hope you enjoy your 4th of July weekend coming up, first of all. But secondly, welcome to Very Cold Lasagna's, I guess you could say, NFL 2022 season preview month. That is right. It is only two months away. The 2022 NFL season is just almost here. It is technically almost here, but even though it's almost two months away, over two months away, but it goes by really fast. Two months literally goes by so fast that it just it's just here. So you're probably asking yourself, Dylan, why are you covering um, all 32 NFL teams when we literally haven't had training camp, when we haven't had preseason yet? Well, one, because I want to. And two, to be honest with you, um, I'm probably going to forget everything that happened in, in the offseason um, and everything that happened in training camp and preseason by the time we get there. And I think a lot of things that happened in training camp and preseason are all are mostly redundant unless there's like a major injury or some like some major player gets cut. So in my in at least my eyes, in my filthy casual eyes, there's no reason to wait until then. Before we get into the swing of things, before we get into our first our first batch of teams that we're going to talk about in our NFL season previews. I do want to like update you guys on a couple of things here on Very Cold Lasagna. I know it's been like a it's just a downtime in sports in general right now. The NFL has been on the offseason for like four months now, so there's literally been nothing to talk about other than the NFL draft and free agency. But especially in May and June, absolutely nothing. And with pro wrestling, you know where I am at as in terms of a fan. But I mean, I talk about it here and there, but that's about it. The NBA ended its season just two weeks ago, but I don't really like to talk about it that much because I'm a very filthy casual fan and more so than an NFL fan because at least with the NFL, I can at least feel comfortable talking about that than the NBA. And the Stanley Cup or the NHL, they just they just ended their season too this past week. So literally a dry period in sports right now. Literally super dry, ultra dry. Look how fucking dry this land of sports is. So literally not much going on right now. Literally not much going on. Hence why there hasn't been many like episodes, many things going on here on my end. But, you know, I try to punch out a video on the YouTube channel here and there when, you know, I feel like I need to say something to to all of you, especially uh, this past weekend with all the WWE related videos. So hope you guys were checking that out um, on on the YouTube channel this past weekend, especially the Sasha Banks video. Thank you guys so much for checking that out. Um, I really had a lot to say about that situation. Uh, second thing in regards to um, to very cold lasagna, as always, make sure you follow the YouTube channel, follow um, the social media pages, um, listen to wherever you can, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts. And then last but not least, big thing 
big thing about the podcast. You may notice something different about the audio. Probably not. But I can't lift it up. I can't physically lift it up. But I will put up a picture right here for those watching on YouTube. And those for listening on audio, I got myself a big upgrade in terms of the audio. And that is a mixer. I got myself a audio mixer for the, for the show. I upgraded to the Rodecaster Pro 2. That is right. The sequel to the Rodecaster Pro. I bought myself this. Very expensive, by the way. Uh, but for now, it's very worth it. And I love it. I love it so much already, um, especially the smart pads. It's so fun to use, um, but obviously not to use the smart pads um, like very frequently here on this show. Um, however, I'm still trying to work the kinks of the Rodecaster Pro, especially when it comes to, you know, making the audio like more balanced because, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's for your ears or my ears or anyone else's ears. You know, it's very up and down right now as you're hearing it so that's where i'm at right now watching a bunch of youtube videos how to um better balance this audio with um with my sure mv7 mic and i'm trying to figure out how to get multi-track set up um with adobe audition on my on my pc and yeah that's pretty much how it is right now um with with the show but i think the biggest thing I, i'm very happy with is upgrading the audio Pretty much, I don't really need to do much upgrading other than, well, upgrading the growth of this channel, providing um, you guys my filthy casual takes, like, obviously, quality um, filthy casual takes on on my end. So, continue to share this show with your friends, your families, some strangers. Keep Spread the word about Very Cold Lasagna. But in the meantime, I will share this with you um, before we get started, and that is this. And that is my feeling regarding this topic we're going to be talking about. And that is the 2022 NFL season in our month here in July. That's pretty much all it's going to be. 2022 NFL season slam. My little pun on SummerSlam. So 2022 NFL season slam. Season preview month. What exactly are we going to be doing this in this month of July? It's kind of like our season recap. Except, well, we're previewing the 2022 NFL season. Except... It, it comes with some slight changes, obviously, unlike where we're recapping what happened in the past season for each and every NFL team. We're going to be talking about what each team did in the offseason, whether it's the free agency or the draft, and whether those moves made the team better or worse heading into the, to the coming season. And we're going to be talking about my biggest takeaways from their offseason, some of their key games. Um, going into the season, um, some big questions that I have, some storylines, some concerns, um, pretty much to keep track of all season long. Now, every preview is subject to change, especially when we get deeper into the month with training camp and the preseason starting. And just keep, just keep that in mind. That's your little disclaimer. Things can change. Um, some episodes might be late because I have to update them um just to match um what's going on at training camp because some teams training camp starts early in mid-july and some teams training camp start later in july so just keep that in mind but that being said make sure you check out all the season previews that are going to come out 
throughout this month, whether it's the full episodes or the clips, because that's how I'm going to be doing it, just like how I did with the season recaps. And with all that rambling said, let's get to our first batch of teams, and that is the NFC West. So starting off with the NFC West here in part one of our 2022 NFL season previews, we're kicking it, we're kicking it off with perhaps one of the better divisions of football, at least in the last couple of years. And man, this this NFC West has come a little weaker this past offseason, especially when it comes to the other teams that we're going to be talking about. But obviously, you know what? We're going to be talking about my team first. Like we don't care, we don't we don't care about the Super Bowl champions even though they won uh, they won it all back in February. That's not how we roll here. That's not how we roll here. We always have to talk about my team first and then everyone else later. That's how it works here on Very Cold Lasagna. And, you know, I was they, they, they were all very lucky that my 49ers didn't get a separate episode this time around because I want to be fair to everybody else. So that's why we're at least starting them off. We're starting off with my team, the San Francisco 49ers. And... The San Francisco 49ers in this coming season, 2022, it's finally time. It is finally time. It is Trey time. Welcome to the Trey area, baby. I am honestly excited and also very nervous too because Trey Lance, it's his first full starting season as the starter. We all knew what happened in 2021. Came in as a rookie, sat most of the season behind, well, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, we all knew what happened with, in terms of the uh, the lang lingering injuries that plagued them in 2021. He only started two games, and he looked he looked pretty decent. He looked pretty decent, but when you see him in those off-season training videos on social media, and when you saw him throw at off-season training activities and mini camp, the dude has a rocket arm now. He he throws with better precision now. But anyway, I digress. I'm just so so excited for Trey Lance um, this coming season. So for the 49ers, where do they stand in this NFC West? Well, we got to take a look back at their 2021. Well, it's pretty much a tale two has for them. They were two and four by week eight. And a lot of that had to do with how Jimmy Garoppolo was playing and how the defense was getting shredded each and every week. And things were not looking good. I was pretty much calling for Kyle Shanahan to put in Trey Lance. And at the time, I was just like irrationally saying it because like we already knew what Jimmy Garoppolo was. He was a mid quarterback. He he's a good team leader, but he's very inconsistent as a quarterback. So, but then we found eventually found out later that Trey Lance was pretty much hurt. He's pretty much dealing with injuries for much, much of the season. But then, going back to the 49ers, they end the season 10-7 and seven, um, after that 2-4 and four stretch. They get the sixth seed at the very tail end of an overtime game against the LA Rams. And then they go on this very, very crazy um, playoff run, defeating the Dallas Cowboys, defeating the Green Bay Packers. And then they were almost, they were almost there. They almost got to the Super Bowl. But then they just let it slip away. They let it slip away in the fourth quarter against the LA Rams in the NFC Championship game. So here we are. Here we are. What are we, where are we at? Six months later since that championship game. 
And there's been like a lot of talk here in the Bay Area, a lot of smack talk, whether it's when is Jimmy G going to get traded, a beef between 49ers blogger and Javon Kinlaw, like what's going to happen with Debo Samuel, a lot of interesting things in the 49ers organization. But they had a lot of priorities. They had a lot of things to do in the offseason. My top three um, priorities when I did my season recap for them. Well, the top one was either trade or release Jimmy Garoppolo. But we'll get to that in a second. Oh, man. Um, They had to address the secondary, um, especially the cornerback spot. And they had to retool the offensive line because one of their key free agents, uh, Lakin Tomlinson, um, they had to pay him. They had to pay him. So some of the things that happened in their offseason, whether it was free agency in the draft, well, they managed to re-sign some of their guys, like Daniel Brunskill, Jamichael Hasty, Jawan Jennings, Jordan Willis, Aziz Al-Shair, Jason Verrett, and Dante Johnson. So mostly on the defensive side, some key death pieces um, were added back into that group. And then they added some more. Um, they got Traverius Ward from the Kansas City Chiefs, solid cornerback. It to add in that secondary. Um, they also got Kerry Heidi Jr. back from the Seattle Seahawks, and is a very good um, addition back into that pass rush with Nick Boza. And then in the draft, you get Drake Jackson out of USC. The more I see him, um, the more I see him in terms of the highlights from college and what he, what he's currently doing. He looks like he could be a good one B for Nick Boza. You also drafted uh smu wide receiver danny gray he got he's got pretty good speed um we'll see what happens when training camp comes along then he also drafted a couple offensive tackles in spencer burford and nick sakage i i never knew how to pronounce that correctly but um they pretty much drafted some offensive linemen because well we're getting to a, a certain center retired and there isn't much depth um behind that offensive line Unfortunately, they lost uh, Lincoln Tomlins into the New York Jets in free agency. They also lost Alex Mack to retirement, and they lost Raheem Mostert to the Miami Dolphins, the running back, but it is what it is. Uh, defensively, they also lost Arden Key to the Jaguars, um, defensive tackle DJ Jones, and also K1 Williams, the corner, to the Denver Broncos. And free safety, Chikowski Tart, also left to the Philadelphia Eagles on free agency. So for the 49ers... A lot of a lot of losses in the offseason, but they kind of balanced it out a little bit with some solid additions and free agency in the draft. So, you know, I thought it was going to be a little doom and gloom um, when I did my season recap, but it turns out not that bad. Not that bad at all. But what was bad was the other things that happened um, mainly uh, in that offseason with their priorities and that was their failure to trade jimmy garoppolo yeah that that was actually honestly very bad from the start i i don't know what it was 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 it uh every team's like rose gold or like thermal vision goggles that could like clearly see that jimmy garoppolo is a is a good guy but on the field he just can't stay healthy he's he's an inconsistent passer he turns over the ball too much yet the 49ers treated him and valued him like he was the next coming of of joe montana i i don't get like i didn't even get it what what were they really valuing in a trade for jimmy g 
first the rumor said first round pick then second round pick then there was third round pick that when they got desperate which one was it which one was it that led to them not getting jimmy g off the roster and then a couple of weeks into the offseason like early in the offseason they they get hit with a massive curveball that jimmy g has to get shoulder surgery and that throws a big wrench in their trade plans because not only do teams not want him but now teams don't even want him even more because well jimmy g has to go get surgery on his shoulder and he can't throw till june or july this is a big fail on the 49ers and now well it's good that jimmy g is healthy now uh, at least until he can throw but now he has to see now you have to see if he can throw um well enough so they can facilitate at least attempt to facilitate a trade or just cut him just cut bait with him because that's 25 million dollars still sitting on the table and you can use that 25 million for something really you can use it for something and then you also had Debo Samuel um that Debo Samuel situation because uh he requested his trade back in April uh, shortly before the NFL draft um and I gotta say I'm actually on his I guess I could say I'm on his side a little bit he has every right to be a little concerned about his usage as a hybrid player whether it's running back and receiver but at the same time um they were kind of like in a <laughs> kind of like in a sticky situation where the running backs were getting hurt and Elijah Mitchell and I think who was it uh Trey Sermon were, were kind of yeah also like 50 50 with their play so Kyle Shanahan was kind of in a weird situation where he had to make Debo Samuel like the fall guy in terms of being running back. So I guess Debo Samuel does have a right to get paid and play as a pure right receiver going forward, but we'll see what happens. And the defense, I think it's a little bit better. It's a little bit better. I think Drake Jackson out of USC has really good potential to be that 1B the Niners are looking for to line up opposite Nick Bosa in the pass rush. And then you get Kerry Hyder Jr. and Eric Armstead on the inside. That's going to be a big, big um, dangerous to uh, force some in that pass rush. Oh, my God. And then you had the cornerback room. Um, it's still it's still a little suspect because we haven't seen them in action yet. But, you know, adding to our various ward, um, a starter in, from Kansas City, he, he seems okay. He seems okay. But it all it all comes down to how they're going to do in real time action. Um what worries me uh most in this uh, in this offseason is the offensive line. And that's because well you still have Trent Williams, yes. Um but you have question marks at left guard, center and well pretty much pretty much everywhere. So Aaron Banks didn't play at all last year. Um and then you have two two rookies um that are going to be competing for that spot behind him. So that's going to be a uh, challenge in its own right. And then center is where things get really interesting because it's anyone's game between Jake Brendel, Donovan West, Keen Sutherland, and Jason Poe. I think three of those four are undrafted rookies or practice squad guys. So whoever gets that center spot, they better protect Trey Lance well. They better snap the ball to him well. Speaking of Trey Lance... Like I said, from the videos I've seen, 
in the off in the off season, like back in March, and then you when you look at his OTA videos and the minicamp videos, he looks like he's gonna be in pole position to start week one. When you see like when you see him, his throwing motion, his precision looks much better than what he was last year. I gotta say, his teammates are giving him the praise that he absolutely deserves. Now, keep in mind, they were praising him last year, but they believe in him. They absolutely believe in him. Now he's healthy and he's gone through a full offseason, which was this year. The next step is for Trey to continue his strong grip on that starting position and keep that shit away from Jimmy G. <laughs> Get him off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So for for Trey Lance and company going into 2022, it's going to be a big test. It's going to be a big test. You got a quality roster on, on hand, but it's a it's kind of a tough stretch. It's kind of a tough schedule all around. Some of their key games include the first one against Chicago. And yes, you're playing Bears football right out of the gate. Um, but you don't want to go into Soldier Field and, you know, just sleep on the Bears just like that. Just like walk, like waltz in there. No chance in hell. Um, Vince McMahon style. And just expect to, you know, glitz and glamour all over them. This is Trey Lance is kind of like first true test to see how he does against a even worse Bears team. And then you get your first ultimate test in week three against your former division rival, Russell Wilson. Yeah. On a new team, AKA the Denver Broncos in the mile high. So Trey Lance's first primetime game. And then that's followed by another primetime game in week four at home against the LA Rams. Woof. Woofa. And then week seven against Kansas city and week eight in Los Angeles, two tough back-to-backs for Trey Lance. And I think those two games are going to kind of like be the, the check-in, the deciding factors on whether or not these 49ers are going to be in contention by that point, or it's, it's just going to be like kind of one of those seasons where this is going to be a season where Trey Lance is going to just be like, Oh, he's doing pretty good. But the rest of the team is like, meh. And then, of course, week 14, like, who, who wouldn't love to see Tom Brady back home facing off against the young slinger, the gunslinger, and Trey Lance? But then, by that point, who knows? Now, some of my biggest questions going into the season, um, especially for, for my 49ers, how does Trey Lance's rave improvement in the offseason, you know, of course, how does that translate into the regular season? Because what you do, what you're, the work you do in the offseason, you know, doesn't always translate into the regular season. There, there have been couple of cases of that happening so for Trey Lance you know he just has to stay poised stay calm you know don't be too aggressive um don't make too many stupid decisions and and there, there's gonna be down games for him there's gonna be some down games for him there's, there's gonna be some, some of those games where he makes some very rash decisions and it's just gonna be it's gonna be a both a prove it season and a learning one for him because again this is his first season as a starter like his first full one now who's going to be that top receiver um for trey lance if debo samuel is still pretty adamant on uh, not rejoining the team you know holding hope of that trade trade request well you got a couple of people you got a couple of people brandon Ayuk is still there and 
you know, he he was pretty he's pretty pretty solid in relief when when Debo Samuel was out a couple games. Um, they did get go out and get Sonny Gray in the third round of the draft, and he is a he's a very speedy bunch. He also resigned Juwan Jennings. He broke out late in the season. Not a bad receiving court. Plus, you also you also have George Kittle, um, your all pro tight end. So for Trey Lance, if he doesn't have Debo Samuel, he doesn't have he doesn't have like a terrible receiving core, but he also doesn't have the grace either. For the 49ers, it's gonna be an interesting season for them because well, you don't know exactly know what you have in store yet for Trey Lance. Um, but so do the 49ers. Um, you also have some question marks about the offensive line, um, your secondary, and well, also your running game too. Like who's going to be the starter for your, um, for at running back. But either way, you know, this team has potential. This team has potential to go like big, see, like not, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think Super Bowl big yet, but they have a, ch- they have a good chance to make the playoffs because well, this NFC is weak as hell, um, this year. So for the 49ers, they could go nine, nine to 10 wins at best. Um, but again, it all depends on how Troy Lance is going to perform, how he's going to do on the field and how Kyle Shanahan uses him and he better use him to his full potential. Not all that uh, run in the middle bullshit like he did last season. He has to go balls to the walls this season. It's time for the Trey Lance show in the Bay Area full force. He better do it. So next up, we're going to be talking about in the NFC West, unfortunately, the team that beat the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game and sadly won the Super Bowl. And that is the LA Rams. That's right, the LA Rams. So for the LA Rams, um, they had a interesting... They had an interesting season in 2021. They go 7-1. Matthew Stafford has the first and best first half start to his career, establishing that connection to Cooper Cup straight away. And then you get to the midpoint of the season. Um, I think you lose Robert Woods to a torn ACL, their wide receiver too. And then they get go and grab Odell Beckham Jr., but he doesn't instantly get himself ingrained into the offense right away. And they go into a middling and rough stretch in the back half of the season. But then they put it together in the playoffs. They win the NFC West. They destroy the Arizona Cardinals. They dethrone the 2020 Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Bucks. And, of course, they come back to beat the 49ers. Well, technically, the 49ers beat themselves. But anyway, the, the Rams, in hindsight, reached the Super Bowl for the first time since 1999. No, sorry, 1998, 1999. I'm getting my facts wrong. But anyway, when Kurt Warner got there, damn it. And against the Cincinnati Bengals, it was pretty much a struggle for both teams. Um, but when it came to nut-busting time, the Rams got MVP performances for both Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup in in clutch time to secure their second title in franchise history. And yes, Stan Kroenke, their owner, now is a Super Bowl and Stanley Cup champion. And Cooper Cup is also a Super Bowl MVP. For the Rams, their ultimate goal for 2022 is, well, of course, to eat, sleep, conquer, and repeat as Super Bowl champions. But in order for them to do that, well, there are a couple things that they had to do in the offseason. They had to find an offensive line. Um, They needed help because their left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, finally retired 
um, after years and years of playing in the league. They also had to find a corner opposite Jalen Ramsey because, as we'll get into it later on, they had a couple of losses in the offseason, off especially two notable ones. So when we get to the offseason moves, they re-signed to contract extensions, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald. So pretty much essentially their big three key players. And then you get to the additions. They added Allen Robinson, despite how not having that much money. How the hell did the Rams get that much money? And then they added in the division, after he got released, Seahawks linebacker Bobby Wagner. Holy hell. <laughs> Holy hell. You would expect Bobby Wagner to go somewhere else. But no, he stays in the division. He goes from the Northwest to the bright lights of Los Angeles. Okay. All right. And then you, when you when you check out their losses, like who left the, the bright lights of LA, the first one is within their coaching staff. Offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell was gone. He left to take the head coaching job to, of the Minnesota Vikings. Some players went to the Carolina Panthers for whatever reason. Punter Johnny Hecker was let go. And also guard Austin Corbett went to the Panthers. Um, the two big losses, though, um, in the defense were Darius Williams. He went to the Jaguars. And then their midseason, uh, midseason trade um, that wasn't Odell Beckham Jr., their midseason trade acquisition, Von Miller, went to the Buffalo Bills for a massive contract. So, two key pieces on defense lost. And then in the draft, they didn't really, really do that much. They didn't really have any like notable picks. But they did trade a wide receiver Robert Woods, who was recovering from a torn ACL, to the Tennessee Titans for a six-round pick. Yes, that is literally his worth. So for the LA Rams, it was pretty much like, I don't know, kind of like a retooling a, re a retooling process for them retooling offseason for them how are they going to get better i mean sure they lost some people but they also didn't really need to do much to add some people uh i mean they did have to address the offensive line they did have to address the secondary but other than that not really much to do because most of the pieces were there they had some depth i guess not much to do for them so for the rams they look poised to run it back a in much weaker nfc I mean, the NFC South sucks, aside from, well, the Bucks. The NFC North sucks, aside from the Green Bay Packers. And then the NFC East is total garbage, as always. And then in your own division, it's pretty much a two-team race between themselves and the 49ers, who pretty much are in, well, they're a 50-50 mix, in my honest opinion, because you don't know what you're going to expect from Trey Lance in his first full season as a starter. And... My other takeaway for this offseason is, well, all the extensions, all the um, offseason surgery, but everyone is expected ready to go. So the Rams, they're dead set. They're dead set on repeating, and they have a really good chance to do so in a very weak, AF a very weak NFC. Now, can they get past a, a good AFC team in the Super Bowl? That remains to be seen. Some of the team games in 2022, obviously a big test on... Opening night for them against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. That's going to be a really interesting game for them. How are they going to be able to contain uh, Allen and that offense? And well, they welcome back an old an old friend in Von Miller. He's just on the Buffalo Bills now. Oh boy. <laughs> and then of course you get that Monday night game in San Francisco. In well, not San Francisco in Santa Clara against the San Francisco 49ers and Trey Lance. So you get to see your first look 
um, at the new the new young kid. And then a couple of critical games against potential Super Bowl uh, opponents, Kansas City, Week 12, and then a potential NFC Championship opponent in Green Bay in Week 15. So some very critical games um, for the for the defending Super Bowl champions coming very soon to an NFL season near you. For, for the Rams, some questions I have. How much of a chance do they have to repeat? Well, like I said, pretty big. But my bigger question is the offensive line. How are they going to fare? Because behind Andrew Whitworth last season, it wasn't really that great. And you have question marks now that um, Austin Corbett is gone too. And they didn't really do too much to address it in the draft. So it remains to be seen how well they protect Matthew Stafford in this coming season. As for Allen Robinson, can he be that least solid, good wide receiver too? to help out Cooper Cup when he's being double teamed by other defenders. We will see. Allen Robinson is a solid receiver. Um, it just remains to be seen. Can he help out Cooper Cup um, in critical situations? Also, who's going to be the starting running back? Because you have Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. Who, <laughs> out of those two, who's going to be the back? Who's going to be the back to lead this offense? Both of them... Honestly, can't rely upon too much because they, neither of them can stay that healthy. So something that they have to address going into training camp. But for the Rams, they have a really good chance um, to repeat um, this this coming season. And yes, that is coming from a 49ers fan. Yes, this sucks to hear that because they have a talented core. They have a talented quarterback um, when he's not padding up stats. They have a really, really good receiver. They still have one of the best defensive linemen um, in defensive tackles in the NFL in Aaron Donald. They have a really good lockdown corner in Jalen Ramsey. Put all those pieces together and have the supporting cast help you out in a very weak AFC this year. They can go be the top seed in the in the NFC. They can go 10 to 12, 10 wins at worst, 12 wins, 12, maybe even 13 for stretching it a bit. 12 wins in in the NFC, but man, it's going to be interesting to see where these LA Rams and how motivated and how willing they are to repeat as Super Bowl champions in 2022. It'll be interesting. So next up, our third team in, in this NFC West preview is the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, the dirty birds in Arizona. This is a season where they really have to prove themselves. They really have to do something in that desert because if they don't, <laughs> they, the the ownership, the front office really have to do some like deep thinking. They really have to think hard in the clouds because it's been two straight seasons of constant choking, late season choking, like and they don't do shit. They literally don't do shit about it to to respond to it. Twenty twenty was. Okay, a little understandable. 2021 was absolutely not, especially when you go 7-0 to start the season. And that's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals did in 2021. The Arizona Cardinals get off to this 7-0 start thanks to a potential MVP candidate in Kyler Murray who looked pretty damn good. He looked pretty damn good in the first half of the season. He also had a three-headed dragon uh, in DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, and a, a fourth guy in A.J. Green whenever he came along. 
Then you had a defense led by Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt holding up that pass rush. They looked like a prime Super Bowl candidate um, in the first half of the season. But then they get hit with the injury bug, especially DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. They lose to the Green Bay Packers. They had a, a, a decent November. Um, they destroyed my 49ers on the road. Um, and they also destroyed, they also beat the Seahawks. So they go two and one, so not bad. But then in December, <laughs> I, this is very, very questionable. You lose your final four of six games. You especially lose to the, the Detroit Lions. You get not, not only lose to the Detroit Lions, but you get blasted. You get hammered by Jared Goof and the Detroit Lions on the road and drop all the way down to the fifth seed in the playoffs. And then you get to proceed to get your ass whooped, embarrassed, bamboozled by the eventual Super Bowl champions in a primetime wildcard game on, on a Monday night. That's embarrassing. That is absolutely embarrassing. And that should have been the catalyst for head coach Cliff Kingsbury to be fired. It should have led to him being fired. But no, somehow... He still had a job. He still has a job. And for the Cardinals this offseason, this past offseason, their main priorities, well, it should have been firing Cliff Kingsbury, but I don't know what the hell the Cardinals front office is doing. But nonetheless, their priorities from my 2021 season recap were to get younger at the receiver position because DeAndre Hopkins is not getting any younger. He, he missed a good half of the season uh, due to injury. They re-signed AJ Green, but again, he's not any younger. He's kind of washed at this point. You didn't have a lot of youth aside from Rondale Moore at that position. You also had to find the best available edge rusher in the draft because of a certain thing that happened in free agency and they need lots and lots of help in the secondary. Some of their key moves in the free agency and the draft, well, like I said, they didn't really do much but re-sign AJ Green and their punter. Andy Lee. That is it. Because what happened was they managed to lose Christian Kirk to the Jaguars for a shit ton of money that honestly he didn't really deserve. And then they went on to lose a big piece in their defense in their pass rush, Chandler Jones to the Las Vegas Raiders. And they also lost Jordan Hicks to the Minnesota Vikings. Two pieces. They lost two key pieces in their pass rush in the free agency. Like, damn. Like, goddamn. And then when you get to the draft, they they don't address it that much. Like, they, they, they at least try to, but like who knows if they pan out? Who knows if they pan out? They got San Diego State and Cincinnati's Cameron Thomas and Majai Sanders. They both play defensive end, but we'll see if they have the, the, the pass rushing proudness that Chandler Jones has. And they also picked up the tight end. Um, I will commend them for this a little bit. They picked up a tight end by the name of Trey McBride. So in case Zach Ertz gets hurt again, or he doesn't like play up to his um, whatever potential he has left, you know, this McBride kid looks okay. He looks solid. So maybe he could step up to be an, an option for Kyler Murray. And then another big move that the Cardinals did was they traded for Ravens wide receiver on draft night, Marquise Brown. Yes, Hollywood Brown is back with Kyler Murray. Um, they the two college buddies reunited for the Cardinals first round pick. So 
Not a bad draft night trade for, for the Arizona Cardinals. I got to admit that. But unfortunately, um, during the offseason, and this is one of my biggest takeaways um, for the Cardinals, they don't have Kyler, uh, not Kyler Murray. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins for the first half of the season uh, because he's suspended for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing drug policy. Yeah. That, that is... Uh, Yikes. Like, how is that offense going to function without um, DeAndre Hopkins? How is he going to, like, who's going to be the the wide receiver too? I guess it's going to be Rondale Moore or whoever. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I genuinely don't know. And then on the defensive end, the Arizona Cardinals did not address the loss of Chandler Jones pretty well. They did not address, like, they barely addressed it because... You don't know what you have in Cameron Thomas. You don't know what you have in Majai Sanders. So pretty much, you pretty much have a group of those two. And also, you have linebackers Marcus Golden leading the charge, who had less than half of what Chandler Jones did last season because Chandler Jones pretty much had a third of what Arizona's sack production was. So that's going to be hard to replicate. That's hard to replicate. They they also gonna have a hard time replicating that when you also have a group of Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons who haven't done much since they got drafted to Arizona. They have yet to grab that proverbial brass ring, you know, like they say in WWE, grabbing that brass ring to to grabbing that uh that that spot in, in the the chart. I don't know. So going to twenty twenty two for the Arizona Cardinals. Your main focus is to not only have a winning record in 2022, not only making the playoffs again, but actually winning, winning a playoff game and not collapsing, not, not choking late in the season. And if they do it again, they better fire Cliff Kingsbury. They They seriously should consider it this time around because if they don't, they're seriously like a a deserting taking time bomb a mediocrity down there seriously now looking at some of their key games in 2022 obviously the very first week the very first game at home against Kansas City you know going up against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Travis Kelsey oh my god like i guess you could say it's a balanced matchup because well Patrick Mahomes is also looking to prove that he can win games without Tyreek Hill. And Kyler Murray's looking to prove that he can win games without DeAndre Hopkins. And he also has a brand new toy in Marquise Brown. So it it's time for Murray and company to prove that. Why not prove that against a team that lost its its best receiver in Tyreek Hill in the offseason? And then, of course, I, I only put this there because, well, it'll determine where the Cardinals stand by this point in the season. The two games against the Seattle Seahawks. And yes, we will discuss it like when we get there. But Seattle is is gonna be a crappy team in 2022. But we we know how the Cardinals tend to sleep on very shitty teams, especially ones led by Cliff Kingbury. So they play the Seattle Seahawks in week six and nine. So if history, if anything happens, like whether the Cardinals sweep them under the rug or they get swept under the rug, it'll determine like 
where they're headed the rest of the way. And then you got two big games against the LA Rams in Los Angeles. And then you go down to Mexico City in Estadio Azteca to play the San Francisco 49ers um, that, that next week. So two big division games for Arizona. It could make or break your season in terms of playoff contention or just break your spirits in general for Arizona. Now, some of my big questions for Arizona um, going through the season, and I guess this is one of the big takeaways too, um, I forgot to mention. Kyler Murray has been on a bitch fit because he was trying to get a contract extension uh, done this this offseason, and the Cardinals, I don't know, like they couldn't agree on anything on him, but he's been going to minicamps and OTAs. So, I mean, that's some that's at least some positive signs for um, the Cardinals. But the question is, do they get a contract extension done before the season? Because you don't want that lingering over your head. Um, as much as I don't believe Kyler Murray deserves another contract um, in Arizona because of how much he has choked in the last two seasons, I think that they should at least try to get done. Like, speaking objectively, they should at least try to get done before the season starts because if they don't, it's just going to be a constant question mark. It's just going to be a constant talking point throughout the season. And especially if whether or not Kyler Murray plays good, whether he plays bad, it's just going to be a point of discussion all season long for Arizona. And it's media and it's fan base. It's, it's just going to be something they talk about. Now, how do they function uh, with Marquise Brown with and without DeAndre Hawkins in the lineup? Like, who does Kyler Murray defer to um, most of the time? How does he spread the ball around ba- uh, balance-wise? It's going to be something that they're going to have to work on um, once training camp comes. Now, for Cliff Kingsbury... Can he finally have some consistency late in the season? Because December, he choked. They had a chance to get to the playoffs. They choked against um, the Jared Goffless Rams. And that seventh seed went to the Chicago Bears and the eventual MVP, Mitch Trubisky. 2021, they go they go on and lose four of their final six games. They, ha- they basically hand the NFC West to the LA Rams, and then they get destroyed by them as a reward. So can Cliff Kingsbury finally not crack under the pressure of the bright lights in December, especially if his team at that point is in contention to make the wild card? I don't know. We'll see. So for Arizona, you know, you you lose all these key players. You don't do anything to address them. Um, you have serious question marks about your head coach and whether or not a quarterback that can get a contract extension before the season starts and a pretty much difficult schedule to go at it, mind you. And also a wide receiver who's suspended for the first six games of the season. It's going to be a big yikes of a season for the Arizona Cardinals. So I could foresee them going eight wins. Eight wins tops for Arizona. Now, that could change. That could change in an instant. But for Arizona to go more than eight wins, they're going to have to do some serious, some serious damage in the NFC West and in a weak NFC. But if they choke like they've done the last two seasons, it's time to seriously consider giving the axe 
throwing out the cliff on Cliff Kingsbury. So last but not least in our 2022 NFL season preview, part one, NFC West edition, is none other than what will be the worst team in the division, guaranteed, the Seattle Seahawks. And why do I say that? Well, we got to look back at the 2021 because it was a tailspin that year, mainly due to their quarterback, Russell Wilson, suffering a finger injury five weeks into the season. And when he came back, and in my opinion, he pretty much rushed back into that injury, um, whether it is him or the Seahawks coaching staff rushing him back into that injury. And basically him being unable to do Russ magic, you know, him making all these unworldly plays, unworldly throws, scrambling out of the pocket like crazy um, with his feet and just making these crazy-ass throws um, pre-Patrick Mahomes <laughs> before there was Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. Um, but basically, he was just unable to do any of that because it, it was clearly, he was clearly, in fairness, injured. He still clearly hasn't recovered from that finger injury. Alongside with a terrible offensive line, um, the, his injury impacting the entire offense, DK Metcalf kind of having a down year, and most importantly, having one of the worst defenses, especially in the secondary, in the NFL, they would have their worst uh, season in a decade. Their worst, their first losing season since 2011, going 7-10, and missing the playoffs by, what, week, week 15? So, not a good season for Seattle. Not, not at all. So, you would think going into their offseason that they would finally address the offensive line. They would finally address the secondary. They would give pieces for Russell Wilson to finally win a second Super Bowl in the Emerald City. But no, no, not at all. Because when free agency hit, the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson decided that it was better for them to part ways, to move on from each other. Russell Wilson got traded along with the fourth round pick to the Denver Broncos for Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and a couple of draft picks. The This year's first and second round picks and fifth round picks and next year's first and second round picks. So a big haul for Seattle. And whether they want to admit it or not, there is a rebuild in the Emerald City. And this is going to be a sad, sad year for them. Going into their other offseason moves, they re-signed their quarterback, Geno Smith, to compete with Drew Locke. On the defensive end, they got Quandre Diggs, Kyle Fuller. Going back to the offensive end, they got Rashad Penny and tight end Will Disley to a weird deal. Um, I don't know why. But then when you look at their losses, they lost uh, a safety DJ Reed to the New York Jets. Uh, kind of kind of a key reserve to um, both Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. And then they also managed to lose uh, tackle Jamarco Jones. So, I mean, he was okay-ish on the offensive line. And then, of course, Kerry Hyder Jr., uh, kind of an underrated piece in that, in that defensive line for Seattle, going back to the 49ers. And then, not only do you trade Russell Wilson, um, your la one of your last remnants of that Super Bowl run in 2013, you also trade the last of the, uh, not trade, you also release the last of the Legion of Boom, Bobby Wagner, the linebacker. So Richard Sherman's gone. Ch Camp Chancellor retired. And then 
they released Bobby Wagner, who is now on the LA Rams. Seattle is one, not once again, but they are now a shell of their former selves. So for Seattle, there are a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions, aside from the fact that a rebuild is clear, no matter what shape or what form, what 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 you want to make of it. Um, no matter who they drafted, whether it was offensive tackle Charles Cross in the first round or an outside linebacker, Boy Maffey from Minnesota, or running back by the name of Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, they are going to rebuild. They are they, This is like the first phase of a rebuild, whether they want to admit it or not. But there are some other questions that they have to address. Like, who's going to be the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Drew Locke? Is it going to be Geno Smith? Or is it going to be some outside force that manages to waltz in there in Seattle and take that starting job? Who's it going to be? Because neither Drew Locke nor Geno Smith are the go-to guys. They're not the leaders of men to lead this rebuild for Seattle. So, I don't know. Who's going to be the guy to, you know, just waltz them along in this very down year? Speaking of the offense, who's going to be the starting running back for them? You, you got Rashad Penny, um, but you also have Chris Carson still there, who is very injury prone. And DJ Dallas, he's meh. So, I guess they're going to go by committee again. That's not great. And especially considering that the offensive line is going to be very, very bad this year. Um, the defense, I think they, they're still decent. They're, they got very slightly decenter, if that's even a word. But that secondary unit, it's going to get torched. But maybe the pass, maybe the pass rush could be might might be better. But I, I doubt it. I doubt it. For Seattle in twenty twenty two. It, there's only one thing in mind for them. There's honestly only one thing in mind, whether you're a Seahawks fan or a football fan in general. Their top goal for 2022 is to suck so hard that you net a top five pick for a quarterback in 2023. That is your ultimate goal for 2022. Yes, you, like you don't want to deliberately tank. I mean, I know that's not Pete Carroll's thing, but... Do you really want to go with Geno Smith or do you want to go with Drew Locke or in the wild, wild world that Jimmy Garoppolo is released? Do you want to go? Do you want to go sign him off the streets and trust in him in your rebuild? Do, do you or do you want to go out and get Baker midfield? Do you? So your ultimate goal is to suck so much, but not like explicitly suck so much that you net a top five pick in next year's draft. So there's some good amount of talent in that draft class, by the way. So for Seattle, yes, they're, they're not going to be a good team, but there are some key games to, to watch out for them to either whoop, they could be a, a, you know, a fighting team in the elusiveness of suckage, or they're going to be a shit team like all year, all year long. That starts with their home opener in week one in the bright lights of Monday Night Football against their old pal on his new team, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos on the Monday night. Russell Wilson comes back home, whether it's in the cheers of the fans or the boos of the of the 12. 
We'll see what happens there. Then you go out to San Francisco in week two in a division matchup against Trey Lance and the 49ers. We'll see how, how Seattle does in the wake of, who knows, an impending loss to the Denver Broncos or maybe a surprise win. How do they respond to either one against, you know, a still learning Trey Lance? Then you go to Detroit. This is the game that either makes or breaks your season because it determines that maybe you won't be so bad or you're going to totally suck so much this year. Other questions that I have for Seattle is that does Pete Carroll remain the head coach during the season or beyond the season? Now, I, I don't know how it is, is in Seattle or what Pete Carroll's like. I'm just a filthy casual guy in this chair. Pete Carroll, I mean, he he could he looks like a nice guy. He look he does look like a nice guy. He's a decent, he's a good head coach, but I I don't know. I don't think I he's like the the fit the guy to be leading this rebuild in Seattle. Like I don't see him <clears throat> long term leading the charge. So my question is, do they suck so much that Pete Carroll is fired mid season? Like I hate calling for a job or. Do they let him like stretch it out? Do they let him play out the season and then just let him go? We'll see. And what about the quarterback competition? Like whoever wins the starting job, are they going to hold it all season long? Or is it just going to be a swap out every time one sucks, one or the other sucks? We'll see. Either way, Seattle fans, you're going to be in for a very, very shitty season. Um, but who knows? You might surprise some people here and there, but honestly, you can look, you can be looking at a top five or top 10 pick around four to six wins, six wins being generous, but this is not a good Seattle group. No matter if you have Tyler Lockett, Jamal Adams, DK Metcalf, those three alone can't save you. Those three alone cannot save you, especially with the quarterback or quarterbacks that you have. So Seattle, I wish you luck in 2022 as with the other teams in this division. So that is part one, the NFC West edition of my 2022 season previews. This is only just the beginning. We have seven more, seven more divisions and 28 more teams to cover here in July, our NFL season preview month here on Very Cold Lasagna. And honestly, I'm kind of excited for it. But also nervous at the same time because well i'm just a filthy casual that's how just i roll that's just how i roll but anyway what do you guys think in terms of the nfc west how do you think the 49ers the rams the cardinals the seahawks how are they gonna fare in 2022 whether you're a fan of them or not let me know how you think they're all gonna fare in the year of 2022 this coming fall but anyway that is it for this episode of very cold lasagna i'm your host dylan lasagna thank you for tuning into this filthy casual podcast that houses the icy yet spicy lasagna in the very cold fridge. Make sure you tune into the show however you can, whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts. Follow the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with all your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports. And until next time, peace out.